Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, please turn to the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 67, right in the middle of your Bible. If you don't have a Bible this morning, just uh, slip your hand up and one of our ushers will bring one to you. And if you don't have a Bible at home, you can just take that Bible home with you. It's a gift from us to you. Psalm 67. Once a year, uh, as it's already been mentioned, we celebrate a Global Missions Week. And Global Missions Week is, is really simply an opportunity for us to pause and remember that as a local church, we, we have a global calling from God. Uh, the God that we love and worship here in our CRC church family, He is on a global mission. Uh, our God is on a global mission right now to raise up worshipers for Himself from all nations or to raise up disciples of Jesus uh, from all nations. And God has called every Christian and every local church to play an active role in His global mission. God has called us to raise up more God-worshippers of all nations. And every fall, we take a couple Sundays to think about our global calling. And this morning, we'll be looking at Psalm 67. This psalm has often been called the missionary psalm because it outlines for us our global mission. Let's, let's pray before we read. Father, we thank you for every opportunity to open your word Father, we believe you have revealed yourself to us as Redeemer through your word. And we know you as Redeemer. We know you as Savior through your word. Lord, Lord we can look out at the trees and the, and the sun and the sky and, and, and we can know you as Creator. We, we know your power and your attributes, but Lord, we know you as Redeemer through your word. And I pray now, Father, as we open uh, your word this morning, that you would bless us through your word. We pray, Father, you would bless our hearts, open our hearts to receive your word and to, uh, Father, um, be gripped by your global mission. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Amen. Over the past few years, over the past few years, a new word has been showing up in English dictionaries. And that word is the word selfie. 
<laughs> For those of you who are not yet familiar with modern day lingo, uh, a selfie is simply a picture that you take of yourself. You either just take a picture of yourself uh, in a mirror or uh, you, you turn your smartphone around and take a picture of yourself that way. If you can figure out how to actually push the button with your <laughs> camera turned towards you, I haven't yet figured it out. Uh, and now they even have these things called selfie sticks. Uh, Molly and I were in San Diego for a pastor's wives retreat last week. We saw all these people walking around with these selfie sticks. You put your, your, your phone on the end of the stick and, and then you can actually take a remote picture of yourself from beyond the normal range of your arm, <laughs> a much better quality selfie. And man, people are now taking lots of selfies. A recent study showed that every single day in our, in our world, nearly one million selfies are posted on the internet. <laughs> And man, you know, there's, there's, there's not necessarily anything inherently wrong with taking a picture of yourself and posting it on the internet, on Facebook or something like that. I'm sure many of us have done it. But man, I, I have to believe that one million selfies posted on the internet every day says something about our world. I think it probably says that we are a very self-centered, self-focused world. An I, me, my, selfie world. And this psalm here reminds us that as Christians, we are called to a very different type of existence. Not a self-centered existence, but a God-centered and other person-centered existence. This psalm teaches us two primary things about our lives as Christians. And the first thing this psalm teaches us here about our Christian lives is that we are blessed. If you look at verse 1 again, the, the writer here, he, he, he raises this, this prayer up to God. He says, may God be gracious to us and, and, and bless us and, and make his face to shine upon us. And the psalmist was originally praying there for the nation of Israel, that God would be gracious to Israel and bless Israel and make his face to shine upon Israel. And if you're acquainted at all with the Old Testament in the Bible, then those words probably sound familiar to you. The, the psalmist, he, he took those words there from a famous benediction in Numbers chapter 6. A famous benediction or blessing that God told Moses to have Aaron and the other priests speak over the people of Israel. Here it is. It's in Numbers 6.22. God said to Moses, God said, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And that right there is known as the Aaronic 
benediction, not the ironic benediction. It's the Aaronic benediction. It comes through Aaron. And the Jewish priests back in the Old Testament, they were supposed to pronounce that blessing over the people of Israel. And the psalmist here in Psalm 67, he grabs that benediction and he now turns it into a prayer. God, be gracious to us and bless us and make your face to shine upon us. And that last phrase there about a, a shining face, that, that phrase was, was used back then to describe the countenance of a king when he was pleased with you. A, a king back then would, would reveal with his facial expression whether he was pleased or displeased with you. A, a dark or a scowling face from the king or, or the king turning his face away from you meant rejection, animosity, or hostility. It occasionally meant that you were about to lose your head. But a smiling face, a shining face from the king, it meant acceptance, favor, even, even love. You know, we, we, we convey the same types of things with our facial expressions. I remember as a kid, my, my parents calling me into the kitchen, and I could always tell right away by their expressions whether or not that meant good news or bad news to me. Uh, shining expressions, well, all was well in the Lewis home. It would be a good day for me. But a dark or scowling expression from my parents, run for your life, because that uh, usually meant I was about to to lose the, back, the, the feeling in my backside. <laughs> and the psalmist here is praying that, that God would make his face to shine upon the people of Israel. Don't cause your face, God, to be dark toward us in rejection or animosity or, or hostility. Don't turn your, your face away from us, God. No, turn your face Toward us, God, then make your face to shine on us in acceptance and in favor and in love. And you know, that, that, that prayer right there in verse 1, be, be gracious to us, God, and bless us and make your face to shine upon us, that prayer right there is ultimately fulfilled only through Christ. It's ultimately fulfilled only for those who trust in Christ. Only for those who are genuinely united to Christ by a living faith. The only way that God will ever ultimately be gracious to you and bless you and make His face to shine upon you is in and through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Listen, before you trust in Christ in this life, God's face does not shine on you. It does not shine on you. Now, the entire human race is a bunch of sinners according to the Bible. We have all rebelled against God. And because of your sin, as you are living in your sin, God's face does not shine on you. No, God's face is dark toward you in some sense. God's face is turned away from you to some degree. Now, now listen, God still loves you. Even in your sin, God still loves you. But that is simply because God is love and God loves sinners. 
And God will be merciful to you if you do turn to Christ in faith. But God is highly displeased with you in your sin. Angry with the wicked, the Bible says. And his face does not shine on you. Does not smile on you with favor. With acceptance and with love. A fatherly type of love. And God also does not bless you in your sin. He doesn't bless you with any type of special blessing anyway. You know, there is a sense in which God blesses all the people of this earth, whether or not they trust in Christ. He blesses people with sun and with rain and with shelter and and food and clothes. God, God blesses all his people. But listen, when you are living in your sin apart from Christ, God does not bless you in any type of special way. No, you haven't earned God's blessings, don't deserve God's blessings. The only thing you've earned and deserved from God is a curse. According to the Bible, Galatians 3.10, cursed is everyone who does not obey everything in God's law. God doesn't bless you in your sin. No, God curses you in your sin. Ephesians chapter 2 says that you are a child of God's wrath. Child of his anger. God's face, it doesn't shine on you in your sin. God's face, or God does not bless you in your sin. You know what that means? You could pray that prayer right there in verse 1 a million times. God be gracious to me and bless me and make your face to shine upon me. But apart from Christ Jesus, apart from a genuine faith in Christ, God will never answer that prayer for you. Those things in verse 1 will not be yours. But listen, for those who trust in Christ, and those who are truly united to Christ by a living faith, if that is you today, Those things right there in verse 1 are already yours. Simply because of Christ. And Jesus Christ came to this earth and he lived a a sinless life. Jesus is the only person in history who actually earned God's blessings. The only one who actually deserved God's blessings. And he lived in God's blessings here on this earth. And here on this earth during his sinless life, God's face shone on him. All the time. God the Father speaking to Jesus on multiple occasions. You are my beloved son. And with you I am well pleased. Jesus had the blessings of the Father. Jesus had God's, the Father's face shining upon him at all times. And, and, and yet amazingly, Jesus then traded places with us. And on the cross, man... The sinless one took our sin upon himself. He took our curse upon himself. Galatians 3.13, Christ became a curse for us. That's amazing. And you realize that when Jesus was hanging on that cross, carrying our sin, carrying our curse on the cross, for the first time in his life, the Father's face stopped shining on him. Father's face became dark. 
toward him. The father's face turned away from his own son. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father's face had stopped shining on Jesus. Jesus took our place. Jesus took the things we had earned. He took the things that we deserved. And now everyone, everyone who turns to Christ in repentance and faith, turns away from sin in repentance and clings to Christ in faith, everyone who does that receives the things that Christ earned. You receive the things that Christ deserved. Please listen, if, if you're here this morning and you truly trust in Christ and you are following Christ as your Savior and as your Master, listen, the things there in verse 1, they're yours. They're yours right now simply because of Christ. God's face is right now shining on you. It's no longer dark toward you. His face is no longer turned away from you. No. God's face is now turned toward you and will forever be shining on you with favor, with acceptance, and with fatherly love. The Father now says, you, are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. With you, I am well pleased. God's face is now shining on you, and God has blessed you. Right now, as you sit right here, God has freely given to you the things that Jesus earned. They're yours right now. Because of Christ, you, you, you are no longer cursed. You're no longer living under the wrath of God. Oh, it's gone. It's done. You are now blessed. You're supremely blessed. You're infinitely blessed. Ephesians 1.3 says that God has blessed you in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Everyone is yours right now. Whether or not you feel it, simply because of Jesus Christ. (laughs) God's face is now shining on you. God has blessed you. God has been gracious to you. He's been infinitely gracious, supremely gracious to you. (laughs) That first verse right there, man, it's already ultimately yours because of Christ. William Gurnall wrote a famous book back in the 1600s called The Christian in Complete Armor. And Gurnall said this in his book. He said, quote, Until God be merciful to pardon our sins through Christ, He cannot bless or look kindly on us sinners. God cannot so much as bear any goodwill toward us till Christ makes Peace for us. End quote. Listen, if you are in Christ today through faith, then Christ has made peace for you. 
God has blessed you. And his face is now shining on you and will be for all eternity. That's amazing. That's one thing the psalm here teaches us about our lives as Christians. We are blessed. And the second thing we learn here in the psalm about our Christian lives, we are blessed in order to bless. You know, we learn right here in this psalm, we learn why God has blessed us. God gives us here the purpose or the reason for his blessings. Why has God blessed us as, as Christians? Well, why has God blessed us here as a local church of Christians? We are blessed in order to bless. God has blessed us in order that we might now extend those blessings to others. God has poured out his grace upon us in order that we might now extend his grace around the globe. Look at verse 1 again. You look carefully at what the psalmist does here. In in verse 1, he talks about God's blessings. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. But then in verses 2 through 7, he basically gives us one long purpose clause. One long purpose statement that explains why God gives blessings to his people. The purpose or the reason why God gives blessings to his people. Look at verse 1 again. May God be gracious to us and and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that or so that or in order that your way, God, may be known on the earth. Your saving power known among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Man, you take that whole psalm there. You kind of boil it down and, and simplify it. And you, you basically get this. Why does God bless people? Why has God blessed us as Christians, blessed us as, as a local church of Christians? We have been blessed in order to bless. And listen, we, we have not been blessed by God. We have not received His amazing grace in his infinite blessings, and his shining face, we, we have not received those amazing blessings from God in order that we might then just kind of wall ourselves off from the world and hoard those blessings for ourselves. A selfie brand of Christianity. No, God blessed us with those things in order that we might now extend those blessings to others. God poured out his grace upon us in order that we might now extend his grace around the globe. That was God's original plan with the nation of Israel, as Terry mentioned earlier. 
God brought people to faith in the nation of Israel. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, others brought people in the nation of Israel to faith and God blessed those people in Israel in order that they might then extend God's blessings to the other nations of the earth. And at this point in human history, God is now carrying that plan out, not just through believing Jews in Israel, but God is carrying that plan out now through believers all over the world both Jew and non-Jew, God is now carrying that plan out through Christians, through local churches like this one, in Christ, through faith in Christ. We are blessed. Praise God for that. And why has God blessed us? Not so we would then just hoard those blessings and enjoy them for ourselves. No, we are blessed in order to bless. Charles Spurgeon said, quote, As showers, which first fall upon the hills, afterwards run down in streams into the valleys, so the blessings of the Most High come upon the world through the church. We are blessed for the sake of others as well as ourselves. God deals in a way of mercy with His saints, and they then make that way known far and wide. And the Lord's name is made famous in the earth. End quote. That's Christianity. That, that's, that's Christianity. We've been called to extend the fame of God's name. Around the globe. Every last Christian here in this room. Our church has been blessed in order that we might bless others. You know, when I first became a Christian, which is quite a few years ago now, I did not understand that principle at all. <laughs> Man, Christianity to me, when I first became a Christian, I thought Christianity was basically just about the blessings that, that I personally received from God through faith in Christ. <laughs> I, I thought, you know, some special Christians were, 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 were sent out to, to carry God's blessings to other people. You know, global missionaries or evangelists, they, they were sent out to take God's blessings to the ends of the earth. But average Christians like me uh, basically just received His blessings and then tried to live a good life of integrity. Be nice to people. But no real calling to extend God's blessings to a dying world. Might write a check once in a while to somebody else who's doing it. That's about it. And man, looking back now at my early Christianity, I would say that I had a selfie brand of Christianity. A very self-centered, self-focused Christianity. And to be honest with you, that is a very, very common brand of Christianity in America. Selfie Christianity. You're blessed through Christ, period. You're not blessed to bless. 
You're just blessed, period. I, me, my, and my personal Jesus, and my personal blessings from Jesus. But here's the thing. God doesn't call just some Christians to extend his blessings to others. No, God calls every Christian to do it. If, 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 you, if you are in Christ today through faith, then, then, then part of your new identity in Christ is missionary. 2 Corinthians 5, you're an ambassador for Christ. And ambassadors don't just hang around believers. John 20, as the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus has sent you. Man, you're a sent one in Christ. You may be shy. You may be an introvert. You may feel like you have absolutely nothing to give to a dying world. And yet you are still sent to a dying world. And God places you in a local church so you can then live out your missionary identity alongside the other missionaries in a local church. We are all blessed by God in order to bless And you know, we can see here in this psalm several ways that God wants to bless other people through us. Let me just run through them quickly. Number one, we have been blessed by God in order that others might know God. You look at verse one again. May God be gracious to us and and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that, or in order that, your way God might be known on the earth. Your saving power might be known among all peoples. Man, you you think about it right now. There are billions of people on this planet who still do not know the one true God. They don't know God. They don't know his ways. They don't know his saving power. They don't know the way of salvation through Christ. They are completely blind and deaf to everything that is about God, that concerns God. Man, they're marching steadily toward an eternal hell. And God has very graciously given us a true knowledge of him. In order that we might help others to know Him. Number two, we've been blessed by God in order that others might praise God. You look at verses three and five, the psalmist says it twice. Now remember, this is all part of the purpose clause, and he says, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And the people on this planet who don't yet know God, they also do not yet praise God. And we have graciously been brought into the praise of God in order that we might help others to praise God. Number three, we've been blessed by God in order that others might enjoy God. You look at verse four. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Man, 
Those billions of people who don't yet know God, they don't praise God, they've also not yet found eternal, lasting joy in God. They've they've not yet discovered that that God is is the overflowing fountain of true joy. The joy that their hearts have been aching for all their lives. And they, they they don't see it yet. They're still running around right now chasing after all kinds of inferior joys. Thinking that those inferior joys can somehow satisfy this ache within. They can't do it. And God has graciously allowed us to find true and lasting joy in Him in order that we might help others to find joy in Him. And number four, we've been blessed by God in order that others might fear God. Look at verse seven. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth Fear him. You see the connection? Billions of people on this planet don't yet fear the one true God. They don't revere him, respect him, honor him. Romans 3.18, there is no fear of God in their eyes. That's exactly the way you and I were before coming to Christ. And God has graciously brought us to fear him in order that we might help others to fear him. So, we've been blessed by God in order that others might know Him and praise Him and enjoy Him and fear Him. And you put all those, you put those four things together right there, you know what you get? Worship. Worship. We have been blessed by God in order that other people might be raised up to worship the one true God. God receives the glory, they receive the joy. God receives the glory of being worshipped by them, and they receive the eternal joy of worshipping the one true God. They receive the blessing of worshipping the one true God. We have been blessed in order to bless. We've been blessed in order to raise up worshipers of God for His glory and for their eternal joy. And man, God, God, He, he, he wants us to do that locally, here in our own area. Actively working together, praying together, striving together to see more God worshipers raised up locally. That's one thing we aim to do in our life groups here in this church. We have life groups instead of kind of traditional small groups. All of our life groups will have one or more mission focuses, particular people that they are intentionally loving and actively seeking to to bring to Christ. And please listen to me, those of you who are in life groups, that won't be easy. That's not going to be easy. Man, if, if we think that, that all of our groups will, will settle on particular mission focuses quickly and, and then just casually do a couple things here and there and, and all these new God worshipers will, will suddenly just pop up all over the place, if that is our expectation, we are going to be seriously disappointed because it will most likely not be that easy. 
It may not be that easy for your group to settle on particular mission focuses. And once you do settle on, 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 on some things and, and actually uh, start seeking to love those particular people and, and hopefully bring them to Christ, it, it probably won't happen overnight. No, it'll most likely take a lot of prayer. It will take a lot of persistence. A lot of your time. It will take a lot of your resources. It will take a lot of good old-fashioned roll-up-your-sleeves hard work. And you can probably expect some confusion along the way. You can maybe expect some conflict in your group along the way. You can expect that you will maybe want to throw your arms up in the air at times and quit along the way. And you know one of the reasons why raising up new God worshipers in this world is not typically easy? Do you know why it's difficult? Here's one reason. Satan hates it. Satan hates it. God has a powerful spiritual enemy in this world. And Satan absolutely hates to see new God worshipers raised up in this world. Satan knows that God wants to raise up worshipers from all nations. Satan knows he wants to raise up disciples of Jesus in all nations. And Satan vehemently hates it vehemently is opposed to it. Listen, Satan, I do not believe that Satan is all that worried when God's people just sort of wall wall themselves off and enjoy God's blessings for themselves. No, I, I think Satan is probably more than content to leave us alone to some degree when we do that. I don't think the lion probably roars all that much. When we do it. You ever heard the phrase, you don't wake a sleeping dog? Why would Satan roar at us when we're asleep behind four walls? But man, as soon as you actually go on the offensive and begin to pray and plan to head out into the world and actively seek to extend God's blessings to some of the billions of people headed toward an eternal hell, the lion will roar. You you can expect it. You can expect opposition. You can expect confusion in your group. You can expect strife, conflict, difficulties. But remember, you do not war against flesh and blood. You war against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, and they do not want you to raise up God worshipers. You will hear every excuse in your mind why you should not do that. And God is saying, do it. Do it. Do it, church. Do it for my glory and their joy. And man, thankfully, the the God who is in us is much greater than the spiritual forces in this world, and our great God goes with us as we go. And he will help us to raise up more God worshipers for his glory and their joy. 
And God wants us to do that locally here in this area, but God also wants us to raise up more God worshipers globally, around the world. We have a global calling. We have a global mission. And, and the psalmist here emphasizes that. Did you hear it? Over and over again, the psalmist says things like, all nations, all peoples, the ends of the earth. We have been blessed by God, not just to bless other people locally, people in our own people group, but to bless people globally, people in other people groups around the world. John Stott said, we must be global Christians with a global vision, because our God is a global God. God is not content just to raise up more worshipers in one area. No, God says over and over again in his Bible that he will ultimately raise up worshipers from all nations, from every people group, and our God will ultimately accomplish his mission. If you look at the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation chapter 7, the Bible gives us there a glorious picture of heaven at the end of time when everything here in this life is finally said and done and around the throne of God there in heaven in Revelation chapter 7, the Bible says that there are people from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. And what are those people doing around the throne in Revelation 7? They're worshiping God. God receiving the glory of their worship. And them receiving the eternal joy of worshiping the one true God forever. God will ultimately fulfill his global mission. And God has called each and every local church, each and every Christian. God has called us to play an active role in fulfilling that global mission. We're not there yet. And there are still several thousand people groups in this world that have not yet even heard the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't know God. They don't praise God. They don't enjoy God. They don't fear God. They haven't heard the gospel. No access to the gospel. No Bible. No preachers. Nothing. And God's calling us to do it. Working through a bunch of yahoos like us to accomplish a global mission. That's amazing. God works through weakness. <laughs> People like us. God has called us into that global harvest field. Everybody has a role to play. God calls some to be senders. You read about it in 3 John. God calls some to, to be senders, to send others out into the global harvest field for the sake of God's name and to send those people out in a manner worthy of God. To send those people out lavishly. Supporting them financially, supporting them daily in prayer, sending them care packages, letters, whatever it takes to send people out worthily in the name of God. God also calls others to be goers, to go, to go out to other people groups. Leave your family, leave, leave, leave your children, go, go to other people groups around the world. Go to other people groups here in the Twin Cities. You don't have to go around the world anymore to find other people groups. They're coming here. God's bringing them here to us. And God is calling some of us to go, going out to other people groups 
near and far. God calls some to be senders, calls others to be goers, but everybody has a role to play in God's global mission. John Piper says, you're either a sender or a goer or you're disobedient. Everybody has a role to play. What's, what's your role? What is your role? What, what is God calling you to do in his global mission? And we live in a selfie world. And that thing has penetrated the Christian church. We have an Americanized selfie brand of Christianity. Self-centered. I, me, my, and my personal Jesus and my personal blessings from Jesus. Man, as Christians, God has called us to a very different type of existence. We have been blessed in order to bless. May God help us to take that calling seriously and to fulfill our calling for His glory and the joy of all peoples. Lord, we thank You that You are a global God, that You you are a sovereign God who will accomplish everything You've determined to accomplish. Lord, we know You have... uh, You've spoken many times in your word that you will raise up disciples of Jesus of all nations, worshipers of yourself from all nations, and we know you will do it. And we thank you, Father, that you have given us a part to play. Lord, that's amazing. You could have done it without us, but you have have chosen sovereignly to work through weakness, to work through Jesus and the death on a cross, and then to work through broken Christians like me. To accomplish a global mission. Lord, don't let us lose sight of it. Lord, don't let us lose sight and become content with a self-centered brand of Christianity. Help us, Lord God, to be God-centered, other-centered Christians, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.